This is the Cars and Curry podcast with James Cannon and Steve Fowler from Auto Express. Well, here we are, Cars and Curry, episode one. I'm James and this is Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello, James. So the premise about this really is that we've combined two things we like, really. Yeah, I like the curry. <laughs> and I quite like cars. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't do curry for a living. I do cars for a living. But So where are we? Uh, we are in one of my favourite restaurants, actually, Zaman's of Datchet. Comes very highly recommended, courtesy of TripAdvisor. It's, uh, it's run by a gentleman called Wahid Zaman, who's going to be joining us a little bit later on. We don't know what we're going to eat. No, he's going to bring us out some dishes that are uh, some of his favourite dishes, some of the top dishes from this restaurant. And uh, in the meantime, we'll just sort of chat about cars as well. Yeah, but now we've got uh, various questions. We've got the Geneva Motor Show on the way. We've got a bit of F1, of course. New season coming up. And, uh, of course, Lewis Hamilton has crashed his Mercedes already, which is a pretty good start, wasn't it? Yeah, my insiders at uh, McLaren in Woking told me that there were a few sniggers in the workshop. Not surprised. Yeah, I think a few red faces in uh, up the road at, at Mercedes HQ. But uh, we'll see at the end of the season who will come out on top. I suspect Red Bull again. Well, the guys in Woking have been working overtime. Get this. One bloke I know did 48 hours overtime the week before last. Did he go home? Not really. They've been working seven days a week. And now what's happened, they've been out doing testing. All the teams have been uh, heading back. And the cars literally get completely stripped down again. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you what he needs. He needs a takeout from Zaman's. I wonder if they deliver to Woking from Datchet. We can find out. Well, let's go with question number one. This is from Ken. Where's this come from? Can I drive in bare feet? Do you know, that's, that's a question that I get asked a lot, and I think you have to refer to the Highway Code, Section 97, if I'm not uh, incorrect there. Uh, it says that something like you can wear pretty much whatever you like as long as it doesn't interfere with your control of the car. It's that thing about driving without due care and attention. If somebody can prove that you're driving without due care and attention, then you can be done, basically. So, yes, you can drive in bare fleet. I wouldn't drive in flip-flops because they really do get in the way. But you can drive in bare fleet as long as you're bare fleet. Did I say bare feet? As it did it twice as well. I did. And I'm not editing that bit out. Thanks very much. Well, you can drive in bare feet as long as you are in full control of the car. And I've done it. By the way, if you do have a question, carsandcurry.com is the website, which is obviously where you found this, but you can email us with any kind of question. What have you been driving recently? I've been out driving the new Skoda Octavia, which I was really looking forward to. Spent a lot of time driving. Did you mean that? <laughs> I did. Right, okay. You know I'm sad. Um, but I spent a lot of time driving the new Volkswagen Golf, which is one of the best cars I have ever driven. It's one of those cars where you kind of remember your first experience of it and you think, wow, this is a great car. Why? It's just so great. Isn't it? The thing I love about the Golf, it's kind of, it's classy but classless. So you can turn up anywhere and not look like a complete twit. You know, you can turn up outside a posh hotel and nobody's going to sneer at you. Or you can turn up outside one of those funny supermarkets, what, a Little or Aldi, you know, the ones with the funny name. And, and people aren't going to look down the nose at you there either. We're still waiting for some food. We haven't even had the Papa Dom offer yet. I suspect that uh, Wahid might go straight in with something incredibly oh, right. tasty and incredibly gorgeous, but uh, equally he might just try and blow our brains out with something on the, the Richter scale of chilliness up in the 10. Or... Now, there is uh, another twist to this. He is actually going to be checking a car that you have brought tonight. Yeah, there is a star car in the car park. I haven't told him what it is. I've dangled the keys in front of him. He thinks it's a Vauxhall. Yeah, I think he's going to get a little bit of a wake-up call there. But I'm not going to say any more. He can be the judge. Right, let's move on to another question, Steve. Maria Ferrari, which is an incredible name, isn't it? It's great. It's almost worth marrying her, isn't it, and taking the surname there. She wants to know, I want to replace my BMW X3 with another 4x4. 
I've got a budget of £35,000. I think I'm going to marry her. What should I buy? Yeah, that's a nice budget, isn't it? One of two things, I think. Either go for the new X3, because it is really, really good. Uh, a great all-rounder, much better than the old one as well. The old one, frankly, was a bit rubbish. Sorry, Maria, your old car's a bit rubbish. Uh, but I'd either go for a new BMW X3, or, of course, for that money, you can get one of the cars of the past couple of years, the Range Rover Evoque, for about 35 grand. True, you're not going to get much of an Evoque, but you're going to get a fairly decent one, and, and frankly, it will look a million dollars on your driveway. You see, that's the thing. I've heard you talk before about the Evoque, and you've said, said, oh, you won't get much of your money. They all look the same to me. How can a car look the same? No, no, no. All the different specs look the same to me. I can't really see huge differences. What should I be looking out for? Yeah, well, I think with the Evoque, it's more down to colour and trim, as they say. So whether you have a red body and a white roof or a black roof and a silver body and all that sort of stuff. I agree. You can get a dynamic spec or or you can get the more luxurious spec. And they do look quite similar, very subtle differences. But it's all down to your choice of colour and trim. Yeah, it's more colour and bling, though, on a lot of those, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right, particularly with that sort of really uh, really naff grill. I just wish I'd do something about those grills. Have you got a question? Go to carsandcurry.com. Well, Steve, you've attracted a small crowd. When I say small, I mean small. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Now, who are you, by the way? I'm Terry Drake. Hello, Terry. And and what's your question? Um, Well, I've just uh, acquired a new... VW CC GT, not the Passat, but the CC GT. The one that looks a bit like the Mercedes CLA. CLA. Yeah, that's right. That's the the copy, poor man's copy. I picked up over here in what you were saying about the Golf and uh, its uh, sister car from the other company, and I just wondered just how much of the parts from the Golf would have bled over into the uh, CC. Well, bizarrely, uh, not that many. Because if you think about the platform strategy, Golf is the same as Audi A3, Seat Leon, uh, Skoda Octavia, and various other things. The VW CC is a bigger car, so it's a different platform. So yes, you'll find a lot of the same switches, perhaps, and some of the same engines, but the basic chassis is different. It's a different chassis altogether. Uh, Your car is based on the Passat, which also makes the Skoda Superb, which also makes the Audi A4, um, but it's a very different thing to the Golf. But as I say, if you get into a Golf from your car, you'll find a lot of the bits are very, very similar, but the actual chassis is different, which is why it feels completely different to drive. I actually like the CC. Don't call it Passat CC, otherwise Volkswagen will get very, very, very upset. It's a very, very different car, obviously. Although it looks, yeah, frankly, it's the same car, but they've just knocked the Passat bit off just to try and put the price up, probably. It does beg the question, are you, are you trying to strip down a Golf or something that you actually want parts? Not really. It's just that the Golf drivers sit at traffic lights and stare at me. Whether it's the wheels or whether it's just the shape of the car, there is something about golf drivers, and I don't get flashed out the way on the motorway. Having had a twin-turbo S80 Volvo and get them come behind me and flash me out the way, they're now happier sit behind me. So there's got to be something. Do they aspire to move from a golf up to a CC? Uh, do you know what? I think the, the interesting thing about the CC is not many people know what it is. Yes, it's clearly a Volkswagen, but you don't see many of them around. And it is a really, really good-looking car. And I think, unless you're picking your nose, that's probably why people are staring at you at the traffic lights. Why did you go for it? It was different. You know, you could have had a Mercedes, but there's too many Mercedes. There's more people with BMWs in our road than I can care to count. And it was just different. And it was fresh, a little bit different. OK, I didn't like the previous model. It looked a bit... I can't say the word, but, you, you know... This is a podcast, you can swear all you like, really. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's rather like, you know, I don't want to join the Pete Cap and the old fart gang, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bit fresh, so uh, it's good on the gadgets. 
that's what I'm interested in. It's, it comes with all the toys, the self-parking gadgets, the, the cute little VW badge on the back lifts up and out comes the camera. So you, at the traffic lights, if you really want to, you just put it in reverse, see who's sitting behind you, scares the living daylights out of them, but you can be a bit nosy. Who's that? Who's that? You know? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, the self-parking gadgets, not because they're great value. I think it's just about £250-£300 probably on your car. And they will not only parallel park for you, which, let's be honest, we all know parallel parking can be tricky, but they'll also park in, in bays as well, which I think is really clever. If you're a gadget fan, yes, arguably you can do it quicker yourself, but it's just fun watching that steering wheel twirl around while you're just... You do the pedals, basically, and the car does the steering for you. Really clever and worth every penny. There's a real blokey question for you. Um, this is from uh, Thomas Adcock, who wants to know uh, about winter tyres. Am I too late to be thinking of winter tyres? Well, we've still got a couple of months, haven't we? Winter tyres, OK, they work best at temperatures below 7 degrees, and that's normally between sort of October, November and March. Is it worthwhile now? Well, with the snow outside, I'd say yes, but frankly, no, not really. I'd wait until next October. Of course, you've got to think about the price, about 70 or 80 pounds per tyre. Uh, plus, of course, you've got to change your wheels, which probably costs about 50 pounds. And you've got to have somewhere to store your other set of, uh, of tyres too. But if you fancy all that, I can tell you, I've been driving a car with snow tyres on this winter. And with some of the snow we've had and some of the ice, I wouldn't have got out of my road. Um, without winter tyres on, they are incredibly good during uh, during snowy weather. It's interesting, in other countries, they are the law, aren't they? And I reckon, give it a couple of years, there'll be some calls that maybe we should actually have them. Yeah, I don't think in this country we'll ever make them mandatory because you know we only really get snow for a couple of weeks a year. But as I said, they are better than summer tyres, standard tyres, when the temperature is below 7 degrees. That's because they have a different compound, so different sorts of rubber and different sort of grip patterns yeah, as they, well. They open up, don't they? That's apparently they when they the, get pressure on them. The, the sipes, as they call, are, uh, are slightly further apart and they do work and they, they are incredible at stopping. Um, my worry is sometimes that people get a little bit overconfident, but the cost is the big thing you know they are quite expensive um, if you can afford them they're really worth it where poppadoms meet petrol heads this is cars and curry right i see some food on the way well heed how are you oh i'm fine i'm fine lovely to see you guys <laughs> oh that's what we like to see a tray of uh, of food can, what can you see steve uh well there's something sizzling so right. oh hey, let's get a description of this hello chili paneer it's a vegetarian item Goat cheese, done in a spicy, um, uh, all those herbs and spices, garam masalas and everything, and serves on a sizzler. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, that looks good. We've got lovely chicken tikka, which is done in a tandoor, of course. Always waving. How many people are eating? There's more coming. Well, I'm, I'm, this is um, chicken tikka, which of course is the uh, the British staple these days. But I think British tikka is what sorts the the good from the bad when it comes to curry houses. And uh, let me just uh, yeah, go on. Really nice, really moist, lots of flavour, and chicken tikka can be really dry and really bland, but this is anything <laughs> but. <laughs> oh, another one now, well, hey, what's this? That is tandoori king prawn. They actually caught in a bay of Bengal. Sorry it took such a long time. <laughs> oh, that's no. one, that's Will one. you eat prawns? Yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a prawn with you. I'll, uh, I'll join you with a prawn. Oh, I've got it. I want to taste this cheese thing first. Of course, while we're, we're eating, well, he can go out. He can, more than welcome to eat your own food, Wahid, by the way. Right, so the star car, do you want to tell him what he needs to look at? I'm going to leave it to him, really. He's just got to go out into the car park, press the unlock button to find the car, and just 
explore. So uh, go out there and come back and tell us what you think. This is Cars and Curry. So do you know what the car was? It's a Dacia. It's a piece of audacious ice cream and I would <laughs> It's a generic version of uh, Renault, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Well, hello. Suddenly we've got an expert here yeah, and everything. I'm, I'm a little bit suspicious, you see, because I think Wazim, well, his son over here, is the yeah. one who knows all about cars, and he might have been feeding his dad a few lines. Would I be right in saying that, Wahid? He's quite good, actually. He's quite an expert. He does tell me about cars. How much? Not to sixty. That one no, won't climb. So seriously, impressions of it. What did you think? It's a piece of rubbish. Somebody put together. I think. First of all, you've got to get the pronunciation right, okay? Because it's Dacia, rhymes with Thatcher. All right, not Dacia, it's Dacia. But tell me how much? How much do you think that car would cost, brand new, to buy? I think it should shouldn't be more than about five, six thousand pounds. He knows too much, this man, doesn't he? <laughs> it's on the money for that kind of money. Do you not think it's good value? It's brilliant for my deliveries. But not, obviously, for... I'm out. not going to drive on or down, <laughs> drive around on or down. It'll be too unsafe. Well, it's actually got a three-star... It's a good point. It's got a three-star Euro NCAP crash test rating, and most cars these days have five stars, but the way it's counted, it, it is actually quite a safe car, but I understand what you're saying. But you can get that car out there. That's probably... Cause it's got Bluetooth on it, it's got electric windows, it's got air conditioning, a few other bits and pieces. £8,000 for that one. The, the very basic one is under £6,000, as you quite rightly guessed. Rich, so congratulations on that. The leasing on that, Steve, is going to be very cheap in the region of about £60 a month. It's just a cheap car, and that's the thing that appeals. It's a brand-new car, It's so you can get one for under £6,000. I wouldn't get the one that's under £6,000, personally, because it's got these weird things that, that kids won't recognise, these little things that you turn and the windows go up and down. Yeah. Now, I haven't experienced that for years, but spend another seven or £800, you can get one with, uh, say, electric windows, Bluetooth, stereo, and all that sort of stuff, which I think is good value. Let's throw this question over for you, because one of the things that they're actually trying to do is get people who might have bought a used car into a new car. For £6,000, you could have, I don't know, a second-hand Golf or a Focus or something like that. Yeah, you're looking probably at a three- or four-year-old Golf for that sort of money or two- or three-year-old Focus. So, yeah, you can get something, but, of course, that's going to be a used car. <laughs> yes, it's going to be nicer to drive and arguably slightly better built, but I'm pretty impressed by that, for the, the quality. Yeah, but, well, he doesn't. He, he doesn't like I, it, does he? I know. I, I, I don't think we're going to sell it to him, are we? So, given the choice, would you have go for... A second-hand golf over that. I tell you what it is because it's uh, for business. I'll definitely go for that because at least no, there's a bit of a reassurance for a few years. It's nothing going to go wrong. I'm sure it comes with a how many thousand mileage warranty. You get a, a just a three-year warranty, but I think it's for a few hundred pounds more. You can upgrade that to, to five years. For a business, I think, being to the point of view, yes, I'll definitely will go for that. But as for the personally, I'm not too sure. I have to, I like to have my reservation on that. Oh, there we go, opposite ends of the spectrum. We really like the starters and he didn't like the car. No, I know, I've got to try harder next time, haven't I, I think? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> no congestion charge. Yeah, no congestion charge well, on that, that car. That, that makes a sense, I think. That definitely <laughs> makes a sense. Boris won't be very happy, will he? <laughs> he won't be very happy, Bunny. <laughs> this is the Cars and Curry podcast. Well, he's just gone off to the kitchen to come up with some main courses and... I think we've got to reflect on what he said there because clearly he didn't like it. 
No, I think it's probably a bit basic for a lot of people, uh, and that's a fair point. But you know, if if you only got a little bit to spend on a on a car, then it does make some sense. And then when we started talking about the financials, it looks a whole lot more attractive. Right, Mike Porter has a question, which is uh, the best car for my 17-year-old son. I would reckon it's going to be really dominated by insurance. This, isn't it? Yeah, what's the average insurance premiums? About £2,700 or something like that for a 17-year-old guy. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a curveball because I could come out and say Dacia Sandero, but I think you know we've already found out what most people think about those here. Uh, something like the Volkswagen Up, Skoda City Go. But the curveball is this, and I'm looking across at, at Wazim, who's, what, you're 13 years old, so you're only four years away from being 17. I'm going to say to you, a classic Mercedes... His face hasn't moved, has it? But if you buy yourself a classic Mercedes, you can get it on classic insurance. You're riding around in a car that is pretty cool, not expensive to buy, as long as you don't drive it too far because the fuel economy will be horrendous, it won't be too costly. But the great thing about these classics, you can get them on classic insurance. And classic insurance for kids will save you thousands of pounds. So what kind of Mercedes are we talking about? And when does a car become a classic? It's got to be, it's a certain amount of years, isn't there? Yeah, with a Mercedes, it's, again, it depends on the insurer as well. But if you buy a Mercedes from sort of mid-90s, perhaps, or older, then you're going to get something that could be put onto classic insurance. So you could be tooling around in something like one of my favourite cars, a Mercedes 230 or 280CE, which is a Mercedes coupe ever seen the film primal fear it's the the film it's the car that richard gear drives in that movie which is a great cool car you could have one of those probably cost you five or six grand to get one that you could do some work on and the insurance will be next to nothing still to come on the cars and curry podcast we've got the main course can't wait for that Never no, mind no, i'm not hurrying you up that wasn't you he <laughs> just ran off as if i was having a bone there the service in this place <laughs> it's wonderful isn't it and we'll also be looking at the geneva motor show and just have a listen to this if you've been looking and listening all the way across that wouldn't have happened remember Always use the Green Cross code, because I won't be there when you cross the road. Yes, the legend that is Dave Prowse. He was the Green Cross code man, as we've just heard. But more famous for being... Darth Vader. The body, at least. Yeah, but not the voice. He had a bit of a thing about wanting to actually be the voice, but he was a Bristolian boy, my love. He was. You're Luke, <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> my babs. <laughs> well, of course, the reason we're playing it is the... Lack of money that the government are now piling in child safety. Now, we should look at these figures. The road safety publicity budget, 2008 to 2009, and this is a real indication of the cuts in public spending. 19 million, 2008, 2009. 3.6 million, 2011, 2012, with just £78,000 spent on educating kids about road safety, which is worrying, I think. My kids haven't had... Dave Prowse coming to their school. I don't know if he can anymore. But in all seriousness, there's there's a leaflet maybe, but road safety officers, what happened to them? We used to have people come into the playground and set up little roadways for us and teach us about stop, look and listen. It was on television. I mean, years gone by, the Tufty Club as well. There's none of that anymore. And I, I really worry for kids. The reality is as well, there's an awful lot more cars on the road than when we were kids. And, OK, yeah, they're safer and all of that kind of stuff. Not for pedestrians, they really are, are they? No, particularly if they're, if people aren't aware. And, and this is why I think get it on the national curriculum or something. Getting kids to learn about road safety is massively important. Uh, should we talk about the Geneva Motor Show? Yep, looking forward to it. Swiftly followed by the New York Motor Show, which I might be looking forward to just a little bit more, but uh, probably more relevant cars at the, uh, at the Geneva Motor Show. Are the motor shows still relevant for the industry? 
Yeah, they're, they're big sort of chest-beating exercise. And particularly if you look at some of the cars that are being launched in Geneva, big supercars, for example, the McLaren P1. Already seen a preview of that at the, the last show in Paris. But McLaren P1 versus Ferrari Enzo, new Ferrari Enzo, both hybrid cars going to be shown at Geneva for the first time. McLaren versus Ferrari in a motor show hall. We didn't think we'd see that. Let's pile some of the Japanese manufacturers together. Although it is built in Swindon, the Honda Civic Wagon is going to be shown. Uh, it's been a bit of a tough time for Honda in Europe, hasn't it? Yeah, interesting things happening in Swindon. All of a sudden last year they were taking some people on and this year they seem to have got rid of a few more. So it seems to be some in, some out on the tough times, but hopefully this car will turn it around for them again. We should mention the rather attractive GT86 Toyota convertible. Yeah, it's going to be called FT86. We knew a convertible was coming. GT86, one of the best cars launched last year brilliant to drive and now with a bit of wind in your hair too and I quite like the look of this uh, Suzuki Nissan Qashqai concept. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but it's basically Suzuki taking a slice of Nissan's Qashqai pie. Of course, Qashqai massively successful, huge amount of sales, and everybody is jumping on that bandwagon now. Suzuki wants a bit of that. So we mentioned that there was trouble in Swindon with Honda. The French have not been having a good time with their motor manufacturers either, have they? Yeah, really, really tough. The market was down something like 28% in the second half of last year. Uh, and pretty much throughout Europe, Italy, Spain, car sales are down, even Germany showing signs of car sales dropping. Us Brits are keeping the market afloat, I think. Well, let's look at the Citroen launching the C4 Picasso at the Geneva Motor Show. That's an important car for them, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's been a massive success. Uh, one of the biggest selling MPVs over here. Uh, the concept previews a production car, and I can tell you this, it ain't going to look much different. Look at a concept car, you're looking at pretty much the real thing. And I'm sort of split on this whole DS thing that they've gone with. The DS3 Cabrio is going to be shown at Geneva. Do you think the DS thing's working? It's obviously working because in the UK, a quarter of all cars sold by Citroen are Citroen DS3s. So people obviously like and they're sending them out with great deals as well, which Citroen is, is known for. But I think the DS3 looks pretty sexy as a Cabrio, don't you? you know, I get that. But what they want to do is actually try and move a bit more up market. And yet, actually, what they've ended up doing is exactly what they did with Citroen and is, is piling them out with discounts. That's what they're known for. Um, I think they have moved up market. I think DS has done a, a decent job for them. They've got the DS5 as well, which is a fancy hybrid, really good-looking car. DS4, which everybody's forgotten about and deserves to be forgotten. But there'll be a load more DSs. And think about China. They're really big in China, those DS cars. Mercedes have got the A45 AMG. What's that based on? Uh, that's based on the A-Class. It's the hot A-Class, 355 brake horsepower out of an A-Class. All of a sudden, the car that I think is one of the dullest cars, or most disappointing cars to be launched, stick a whacking great big engine in it, and it becomes a hell of a lot more exciting. What's it you don't like about it? Quality, the way it rides, uh, for the price, I think it's a little bit disappointing. It really promises so much, looks great, but it just doesn't deliver. And the Bentley Flying Spur, not many people are going to buy them, but uh, an important car for Bentley. Yeah, again, Bentley looking east. China is a huge market for these luxury cars. One of my favourite stats, not Bentley, Lamborghini. Have a guess, the average age of a Lamborghini buyer in China. I don't know, 32. 28, you were close, close but no cigar. Bentley, as I say, it's a massive market in China and that's really where this car is, is looking at. They won't sell that many in the UK, uh, although it's still a decent market, but very British thing and, and the Chinese like that British motor. So it's a big luxury car, is that replacing something? It's based on the, the Continental um, and there's been the, the Continental Flying Spur, it's just a new version of that basically, but it, it looks pretty sexy. So the food's arriving, Steve. Yeah, I seem to have a, a chicken dish. Waheed, you need to talk us through. What are these? It's a shashlik masala, one of Steve's favourite. 
a king prawn buna, which is one of classic Indian dish. Uh, we've got a little bit of veg vegetarian one for you, but don't worry, we haven't forgotten the fish. <laughs> what is that? Uh, it's a Bengal fish. Right. Uh, it wasn't caught in the Thames or anything, so don't worry. <laughs> Cars and curry with James Cannon and Steve Fowler from Auto Express. I hate to say it, I think the, the curries have outshone the cars tonight, certainly as far as our, uh, our star car in the car park is concerned. The, uh, the Dacia Sandero, I'm not going to say a word, I'm going to let you, you've seen it James, you can give us your expert view. And uh, first of all, Wahid, give us a star mark out of five for the Dacia Sandero. Four and a half, being very fair. Right, I'm going to go with a four star. I think the thing that it lacks is that it's just not a little bit safer, Steve. Yeah, that's a concern, isn't it? Three stars is a bit of a headline grabber these days when everything else gets five. But I think four stars is fair. I think it's an honest four-star car. Good value. That's what it majors on. A decent amount of space, decent amount of kit. I quite liked it. I wasn't expecting to like it quite as much as I did. So, uh, yeah, good solid four stars from me too. Right, should we move on to the food, the curry? Right, I'm going to start with five out of five for those prawns. I'm absolutely going to start with five out of five because I'm stuck in this chair for quite a few hours now. So I think I've probably put on a few pounds since I've been here. Can't ask Wahid to, uh, to comment though. I think he might be slightly biased, but I think uh, this place, Zaman's of Datchet, it's definitely a five-star establishment. So there you have it, Wahid, five out of five. Are you happy with that rating? Overwhelmed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for Cars and Curry. Time to loosen the belt though, I think. Yeah, mine by a few notches. I'm just a bit worried I'm going to have to drive that Dacia home after what Wahid said about it. It might smell a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, from Cars and Curry, join us for the podcast next time around. See you then. Leave your question for James and Steve. Just go to carsandcurry.com.